Well, the first reading is going to be on the screen. It's from the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, verses 1 to 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And the second Bible reading from the New Testament is from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Well, Merry Christmas, friends. Great to see you all here. If we haven't met, my name's James Lewis. I'm on staff here at Norwest Anglican and delighted to see you all 
here with us celebrating uh, Christmas. Uh, love for you to pray with me now as we ask God's help uh, in understanding Christmas. Will you pray with me? Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Lord Jesus, please, will you let us not, we prevent us from going through another Christmas where we just roll through the holiday. Help us to make this time now a time where we pause, we reflect, and you show us the joy of knowing Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, many, if not all of you, uh, will be familiar with these two gentlemen. Uh, the one on the left is Sir Edmund Hillary, and the one on the right is his Nepalese Sherpa, Tenzin Norgai. Uh, they were the first two men uh, to climb Mount Everest. Uh, what many people don't know about uh, Sir Edmund Hillary is that he spent much of his life after that helping the people of Nepal. Uh, he helped build hospitals, schools, runways to serve uh, the people of Nepal. Uh, one time when he was back uh, in Nepal, uh, he was recognised by a group of mountain climbers who was kind of their hero. Uh, and they wanted to stop and, and have a photo taken with him. And so he agreed to that and they all lined up for the photo. Um, and then another mountain climber was passing by who didn't recognise Sir Edmund Hillary. And he saw uh, Sir Edmund Hillary holding a, a mountain climbing pick. And, and he said, that, that's not how you hold it. Let me, let me adjust it for you. That's not the right way to do it. So you're going to tell Edmund Hillary how to climb, how to use a mountain peak, or he's climbed Mount Everest. <laughs> and so Edmund Hillary could have pointed that out to him. He could have said, don't you know who I am? I'm Sir Edmund Hillary. I've climbed Mount Everest. What have you done lately? You're going to tell me how to use, climb, hold a mountain climbing peak? But Sir Edmund Hillary didn't dispute that. He just thanked the man, smiled, and he took the advice and adjusted his grip on the climbing peak. Such humility in the face of such arrogance. We're drawn to that, aren't we? When someone great is humble. It's like when you see the post-game interview and the player of the match says, well, actually, this award shouldn't really go to me. It should go to the whole team because it was a team effort, not just me. We're drawn to that. There's something compelling about that, humility. And yet, humility is a little bit elusive, isn't it? Um, because if you think you've got humility, like if you're pretty sure you've got humility, then chances are you don't, right? You can't talk about your humility. You can't say, well, I'm the most humble person I know. Humility is one of my greatest qualities. That doesn't work. And in the ancient world, they didn't prize, they didn't value humility. What they prized, what they valued was fame, success, power, uh, and, 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 and achievements. Humility was something that they didn't value. And we kind of understand that at one level because how often have we thought, oh, humility just seems a little bit underwhelming, a bit weak. You know, that humble person, oh, they look like a bit of a, a doormat, a, a pushover. And, and so this Christmas, in the few moments we have together, I, I want us to see a humility that is full of power and strength, a humility that's rich in grace and goodness. So I'd love for you to come back with me to that first Christmas that we read about in Luke chapter 2. Uh, do you remember how it started, Luke chapter 2? In those days, 
Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. Do you see how it starts? It doesn't start with presents and food and even carols or advent calendars. It doesn't even start with Jesus. That first Christmas starts with the big picture of history. The Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus required a census and that Luke tells us to place it in history uh, was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. We, we get that big picture of history. Now, this census isn't one of those kind of fun censuses where you end up with these really interesting t- statistics like, you know, synagogue attendance is 10% down from the last census or uh, people are making 15% less clay jars than they were and so on. Those kind of quirky statistics that we always get. No, this was a taxation census. Caesar Augustus wanted a census so he knew how he could squeeze people of more of their hard-earned money to fund his empire and his conquering army. And everyone has to register. And it's not an online census or one that you mail back. No, you have to go to your hometown. And so we read before, So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. That's a journey of around 100 kilometers, and not in a car, but on a bumpy, dusty, dirty road. Days and days of travel. And Mary is very pregnant. I have, uh, with my wife, four boys, uh, and we know that babies don't come according to your timetables and plans. They come when they decide to come. And so this is a dangerous and difficult journey for Mary. She could be forced to give birth on the side of the road. But Caesar wants his taxes for, for, uh, census for tax, so everyone has to go to their hometown to register. That's some power, isn't it? To move people around like that? Well, in fact, the Roman Senate had given uh, Caesar the title Augustus, which means, oh, revered one. And statues of Caesar Augustus have been erected around the Roman Empire with little inscriptions on them that said, Son of a God father of his nation. Caesar Augustus had some awesome power over millions and millions of lives. But you know, the real power here isn't one that struts and pushes people around. The real power is wrapped in humility. You see, hundreds of years before the census, God had spoken through his prophets in the Old Testament and he promised that one day he would come, he would send a rescuer to rescue his people. Uh, We read little glimpses of that in the Bible readings before. So remember Isaiah 9, uh, verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor the Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Out of Galilee... God would send, would bring a light that would shine, that would dawn on people living in darkness and despair. What would that look like? Well, we saw in verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How would it happen? A child will be born. He'll be called Mighty God and Prince of Peace. And where? Another Old Testament prophet, uh, Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, 
said in Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. This is all prophesied, this is all written hundreds of years before the census. And so Mary and Joseph will go to Bethlehem and very soon Jesus will be born. So here's the thing. When God prophesied through his Old Testament prophets, it wasn't that God was foreseeing or predicting what might happen. It's not like uh, Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg who kind of could see the change in technology and the way social interaction would transform and they kind of got ahead of the curve and, and made their money that way. No, that's not God. God is so much more than that. God determines. God shapes. God decides. God controls history. And so when God spoke through his prophets, it wasn't that God was hoping or guessing or speculating or wishing what might happen or what he would like to happen. No, God was saying, this is how I am going to make it happen. Long before there was a census, long before there was a Caesar Augustus, long before there was a Roman Empire, God said, this is how I'm going to make it happen. That is real power. But it's not an arrogant, strutting, pompous power like a Roman emperor. No, it's a power wrapped in humility. Because look at how the long-awaited saviour, Jesus, the Son of God, was born into the world. See, after all the events of the census, we don't go to Rome. We don't go to Caesar's palace, but we go, did you see verse 6 and 7? While they were there, the time came for them for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. What? The, the long-expected, the long-awaited saviour comes and he's born in a stable amongst the animals with straw and manure on the floor and he's placed in a feeding trough for animals. In, in today's terms... It would be like Jesus being born out the back of the loading dock of the Novotel up on Norwest Boulevard. Or at least in a campsite with no power, no toilets and no cooking facilities. Did, did you see? Jesus came not in comfort, but in hardship. Not to a great city, but to a small town. Not into a palace, but a stable. Not to famous celebrities, but to poor peasants. Not sitting on a golden throne, but laid in a feeding trough for animals. And when it's announced, it's announced to shepherds. Not, not in the Roman Senate, not in the temple in Jerusalem, not with fanfare and proclamations throughout the world, but to shepherds. Dirty, uneducated, rough shepherds living out in the fields. Now, I say all this not to be silly or, or flippant about Christmas, but to help us see the humility of Jesus. But here's the thing. This humility isn't weak and passive. Jesus didn't come to be a pushover and a doormat. And look what happens when the shepherds hear of Jesus. Verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Wow. Jesus came to rule. Jesus came to be our Lord and King. Jesus didn't come to just be that baby that we smile at once a year. No, Jesus came to rule over all nations, all cultures, all peoples. But again, and don't miss this, it's not an arrogant, pompous, strutting rule like some emperor. No, did you see? He came to be our saviour. He came to be our saviour. This Jesus would grow up to be a man like no other man. Of such power and mercy, such grace and truth. He would heal the sick, teach the truth, raise the dead. The light of the world driving back the darkness in this world. Nothing and no one could stand against him. And then this Jesus, willingly, deliberately, joyfully, humbly, laid down his life on a cross and for our sins. The king of the world would surrender to evil men, submit his body to the cruel nails of the cross, give up his beautiful life to save ours. This is humility. A humility with power and strength, a humility rich in goodness and grace. This is what our world needs. This is what you need. This is what I need to know and to celebrate the humility of Christmas. That the God of all power and might humbled himself, came to us and poured out his life to rescue us. That's what we need. Let's pray. Come. Thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Lord Jesus, will you please rescue us from just rolling through another Christmas with little thought of you. Please draw us, point us to your humility, your self-giving of yourself to rescue us. Please make this a Christmas where we marvel and worship and delight in all your goodness. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.